0: Britpack is back, Simon Head and Shemakar Sandhu uh, bringing you the latest news and views with a distinctly British flavour and I'm not gonna lie, it's been a little bit of a break for us, we've been away for a week it feels like we've been away for a month uh, but we're back in the saddle and with a pack finish to 2016 we've got an awful lot to look forward to as we round out the, uh, the calendar year first off we've got Colin McGregor going for history uh, at Madison Square Garden at UFC 206 uh, we'll obviously be talking about that on this week's show. We'll also talk about the, the latest developments surrounding the UFC, the contract dispute around uh, GSP and his potential involvement or otherwise at UFC 206. We've obviously got UFC 207 with Ronda Rousey. We've got UFC Belfast, uh, w- which also has a brand new main event which was announced this week. Uh, and, and of course, we'll answer all your questions um, as we uh, as we round out the show. But the first thing, Sandu, it's been it's been a week, as I say, and uh, We kind of ended up sort of disappearing our separate ways in Manchester a couple of weeks ago. Um, Mm -hmm. We pulled an all-night session, getting all the work done, and you were still recording some bits and pieces for the show while I leaked it out the door to catch my train home. So we've not actually had the chance to catch up and talk about uh, UFC 204. So first off, I mean, how's things going? And also, what were your abiding memories of that that crazy week uh, in Manchester a couple of weeks back?
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> on a personal level, you know, sorry, I, um, I was battling sickness throughout fight week. You and me both, was, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, and if anyone wants to have a bit of a laugh, you can go back and uh, perhaps watch um, the the open workout uh, slash kind of like fan Q and A from UFC two hundred four fight week. And if you can hear what sounds like a, a perverted old man ask a few questions, that'll be me. Because uh, my, my voice is pretty much gone and um, <clears throat> and I'm still actually battling it a little bit. So I'm going to try and kind of get through today's show. But that aside, I, I also lost my phone, which was just like the most heartbreaking thing. That happened the night before fight night, which was not ideal. I have a new phone now, you know, so thankfully I'm back in business. But putting some personal grievances aside, um, I thought the overall experiment by the UFC to hold a late night card from my perspective, was a success because you had the hometown boy, you had Michael Bisping, you had the Manchester faithful really get behind him. And not just get behind him, but they really got behind, you know, all of the British fighters throughout the night. And um, and, and obviously, you know, on paper, perhaps, you know, North American fans and North American members of the media weren't really looking at UFC 204 thinking, oh, this is going to be a big blockbuster event. And we still don't know what the pay-per-view numbers are. But in terms of in-cage action, and in terms of the performances, it's right up there. I mean, you could argue that that was, you know, performance wise, one of the best cards of the year. We had some amazing finishes, amazing fights, and Bisping Henderson, uh, too, is right up there for one of the fights of the year. So, um, but going back to the UFC's experiment, listen, if they want to do a late night card like that once or twice a year here in Europe, you know, they've got, you know, multiple European championships. Uh, champions in the UFC now why not why not do that
0: yeah absolutely I think it was a card for the European market I think we you know we have to we have to accept that it wasn't uh, a stellar pay-per-view card that was going to bring in a load of American uh, American viewers necessarily and I'm not convinced that it will do an enormously high number just because of that Uh, obviously there was the uh, the Henderson retirement factor we knew Henderson was going to retire this was going to be his last fight so the long-standing hardcore fans would definitely have wanted to, to 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 get this fight and watch Hendo go out on his shield, so to speak, and you know just, just put a cap on what, what is one of the one of the greatest careers in the sport, mixed martial arts. But if you're just looking at it just from a pure entertainment perspective and the fights that took place on the night, it was incredible. We had a decision in the very first fight of the night, which was, let's yeah. be honest, it was an awful fight. Leonardo yeah. Santos versus Adriano Martins. I don't even know why it was on that card, in fairness, but... <sighs> Blimey! We, it's a European
1: yeah. fight night card in a way, Simon. So, mean, so why not? You know, yeah,
0: I mean? yeah. But it, oh, that that that, <clears throat> that that fight blew. It was terrible. So was. so we had a decision at the start. We had a decision at the finish, which was an altogether more entertaining matchup, a much more entertaining matchup. Bisbing versus Bisbing versus Henderson. That was a thriller. But every other fight on the card, the other nine fights, all finished inside the distance. Unbelievable stuff. And we had a run in the middle of that fight card. Five submissions on the spin, which uh, I believe, according to Mike Bon, he mentioned it to us uh, in the early hours of the. Well, it wasn't even the early hours of the morning; it was the middle of the morning. By the time we were sort of wrapping all this stuff up, he thought that that was some sort of UFC record to do five submissions on the trot. So, um, you know, we, we we were treated to some great performances. Not all of the Brits won, but the guys who did really did sort of further their cause. Mark Diakazi, great performance from him. Uh, had a little bit of uh, adversity to deal with early on in that fight against Lucas Czajski. Came back uh, superbly after a tricky start to finish him in the second round. Leon Edwards just showing the evolution of his game, beating Albert Tumanov. and I think you probably could have won a few quid on that uh, betting on that fight earlier in the week. Um, and uh, obviously Jimmy Manoa was probably the, you know the outstanding British performer of the night. Uh, in terms of spectacular eye catching action you know the way you put away over it so was was something very special indeed uh and the michael bisbing fight obviously you know we beat dan henderson i scored the fight from oxygen side 48 47 i watched it back and I, I i had to revise my scoring uh i actually had it 49 46 watching it back i mean how did you see that fight cuz there are one or two people out there trying to suggest that it was controversial. Having watched it back, I don't see any con- Don't see any controversy at all.
1: Well, on the night, I scored it a draw. I scored it 10-8 for Henderson in round one. I gave it 10-9 to Henderson for round two. And then I gave rounds three and four, five uh, to Bisping, uh, 10-9. Um, I've got no problem if you scored it for Michael. I've got no problem if you scored it for Dan. And I've got no problem if you scored it a draw. I just think... It's one of those cards, and it's one of well, it's one of those fights. Sorry, um, that's the ideal case study to use with regards to how do you score and how do you uh, judge a fight over five rounds. You know, I don't think there's any wrong answer. It's just the way you, I suppose um digest the rules of, of MMA um, and I suppose from which angle you're looking at the, the the action from where we were sitting you know sometimes you know there can be a bit of an obstruction I haven't had the opportunity yet to actually watch the fight again so I can't like I suppose give um an after the fact score um so I mean I scored it a draw on the night and and I think is you've got to just in the moment give the score that you give when you first see the action on the night and stick with that, uh, because that's what the judges have to do at the end of the day. They can't a week say, actually, <laughs> look, you know what? I'm going to, you know, rescind my scorecard for the night and I want to give this new one instead. Um, but, um, but look, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think, uh, the, the, you know, I've got no problem with Michael winning. Um, on the night, I think um, I was a little, um, you know, um, Taken back by some of the 49-46 scorecards that one or two, including our very good friend John Morgan, um, put up. I didn't think it would be it would have been that skewed. Um, but since then, a lot of other media members have come out and said they watched it a second time and they can um, see a 49-46 for Bisping. So um, listen, at the end of the day, I think for the promotion, it was it was good good for business uh, that Michael uh, won the fight. I think it would have put the division in a bit of disarray had Henderson won and then kind of walked off into the sunset and then the, the lineal kind of, you know, status of the championship, um, you know, would have gone with him, you know, with that scenario. Um, but, you know, it was a good angle, a good storyline. I suppose for Michael Bisping, it kind of, uh, you know, gives him some closure um, and he can now move on with his career. Um, but yeah, that's the way I scored it.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you know, you were talking about the experiment. Obviously, it was it was held in the middle of the night, I think, from a crowd attendance point of view. I think it passed the test, no problem at all. Sold out six minutes. And, the, you know, those tickets were used. It wasn't like people had bought the tickets and then decided they weren't going to show up because they'd been out drinking the night, you know, uh, earlier in the night. We spoke to James Elliott at Octagon side, and the thing that he pointed out, and I thought it was, it was a very sort of canny observation, he said that the people who were coming to this event were starting their night at the UFC event, which was very interesting. Rather than ending their night at the UFC event, so we didn't have any fights in the stands that I saw. I set the high low at three. I, I was <laughs> I was convinced we were going to see hordes of people spilling into the arena, absolutely off their faces from from a heavy night out in Manchester, and then getting a, just basically struggling to keep the pace, losing the plot a little bit, and a few few tempers flaring. Didn't see any evidence of that. Um, all, all seemed to be well. There was about eighty uh, percent of the crowd were in for the first fight, which was incredible. And by the time we were midway through the second fight, the arena was pretty much full up. So, you know, I thought I thought it was a great a great success from a crowd point of view. But how how important do you think is the you know the pay per view number going to be to the to the uh, you know the ability of the UFC to repeat this because. There's an argument for saying that this should have been held at UK time and there must be a number whereby they say, well, we only hit, I don't know, let's say 250,000 as some sort of ceiling, right? Or some sort of base level rather. If it goes above that, then perhaps maybe it makes it worthwhile for them, but maybe if it drops below that, you know, it isn't worth them putting it on as a a big pay-per-view. Maybe if they'd have just held it, it could still have been called UFC 204 or whatever, but... Perhaps they would have held it at UK time. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they how they'll go about this. But I mean, do you think they'll look to do this again, or do you think they'll consider it to be okay? We tried it. It kind of worked, but the pay per view numbers, we you know, aren't. Are, I, I I suspect they're not going to be stellar. So what you know what what's going to be the you know the likely scenario moving forward if Michael Bisbee continues to hang on to this UFC middleweight title and say we've got a London show in uh, in March next year, which I'm, yeah. I'm led to believe we might well see, um, then uh, is that going to be a fight night? Is it going to be a, a pay-per-view? I mean, how, how likely do you think we are to see another pay-per-view over here in the next 12 months?
1: With Michael Bisping champion, mm. I think, you know, there's, there's obviously a higher chance of them bringing a pay-per-view to, to the UK market. I think what you've got with, you know, as you mentioned, the London event that's kind of rumoured to be taking place in March with the London Underground system here uh, going 24 hours over the weekend, it means everyone from the O2 Arena can get back home at whatever hour of night they want to. Um, they, there's not that problem with public transport that they had before. Um, now, it's such, a, it's such a tough one with the pay-per-view numbers because we don't know what the numbers are. Yeah. You know, you know there are some good sources out there. You know, obviously, Dave Meltzer comes to mind um, who's uh, a respected journalist uh, with regards to reporting on pay-per-view figures? Um, now he hasn't, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, come out with a number for UFC 204 yet, um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when he does what that number is from his perspective. Um, but listen, if if they can if they've bro- if they've broken through 250 with that card, I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good number. Um, I mean, there's nothing stopping them from bringing a stacked card to to London, you know, with multiple title fights, right, if they're going to promote it to the North American market. Because the time zone is not going to make a difference if they're going to hold it, you know, late at night here. And plus, you know, with the UK pound always being a little bit stronger than the US dollar, you know, they're always going to perhaps have the opportunity to make a little bit more money with regards to gate versus perhaps, uh, you know, a middle-of-the-road uh, arena in America outside of, say, I don't know, Las Vegas and maybe perhaps now New York. But um, but listen, as long as you've got Michael Bisping champion, i go back to what I was saying before. Right now, you've got three European champions. Why not put on a European super pay-per-view where you have maybe a McGregor, a Bisping and a Jan Jacek For example, uh, or maybe just a Bisping and Jan Jacek, um, you know, as main and co-main event in London. You know, you've got the British contingent for Bisping. You've got the Polish contingent in London. And plus, it's very cheap to get flights from Poland over uh, for Jan Jacek's fans. You know, if you you know beats Karolina Karolkevic in New York. Um, But because we've got Bisping as a champion, I can't see them not using him to headline that London card. They've used him for years. All across the UK they they've continuously sold out in Europe I think the Manchester card was the sixth or seventh straight sellout so the yeah, demand so, is seven there. in a
0: row it's been for them now, yeah
1: seven in a row right and I don't think the European office want to break that streak just yet so um and, and to be honest with you I think it might even be a slap in the face to the UK fan base if they didn't bring back Michael Bisping as champion to headline that card uh, in London next March
0: absolutely and it's, it's, it's great that we're able to talk about this. You know, we've got a British world champion and and we're in a position now where, you know, Europe as a continent is a much, much stronger entity within within the sport of mixed martial arts than it was, let's say, five years ago. You know, it really has picked up. And uh, as you say, we've got Ioanni and Jacek as a world champion. We've got Conor McGregor as a world champion. And both of those are going to be in action uh, at UFC 205 on November the 12th at Madison Square Garden. We are both... I know we're both ridiculously excited at the fact that we're going to actually get to go to this. Um yep. it was uh, it was in doubt a little bit for me after uh, a, about two three weeks ago, and it seems to, it seems to have smoothed itself out. So it looks like the trip's going to happen now, which I'm really pleased about. It is for me the biggest you know the biggest strongest card of fights I think I think we've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. UFC 100 was obviously big. UFC 100, uh, sorry, UFC 200 was big. But lost a little bit of its luster, and the fights themselves didn't really deliver. Have we got any concerns over UFC 205? Is there a possibility that this card isn't going to deliver? Because you, you know you look down the fights on this card, and every single one of them has got post-fight bonus material written all over it. So it's it, without without wanting to sort of overhype this card, how good is this fight card, Sandu? It's
1: ridiculous. It's the best fight card I think they've ever put together, um, especially when you think of the talent that they've got available to them, um, the, some of the storylines and the angles coming in uh, to some of these fights. I mean, something like Rashad Evans moving down to middleweight to fight Tim Kennedy has been completely overlooked at the moment because of the stellar main card that you've got. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. With, we are, as we record this, about three weeks out. So to touch wood um there's no injuries um there's no you know last minute um i don't even know what to think but i just don't want anything to take place where any of these fights especially the main event um drops out for for any reason um i had a i had a gut feeling i don't know why but at the start of the year um i had a bit of a decision to make where you know i had to i mean i can't go to every uh, you know north american you know big big card and at the start of the year I had to make a decision will I go out to Vegas um, you know for the, the UFC 200 blockbuster event or shall I hedge my bets on New York and something was telling me, hold out for New York you know it's the first time in Madison Square Garden you know growing up um, I, I just remember so watching so many pro wrestling events and there's something special and magic about that Madison Square Garden arena and and the, and, the, and the fans that fill that arena whether it's just New Yorkers or, you know, international fans flying in, you know, they they create special atmospheres for people competing or wrestling or putting on concerts in that arena, and I've never been there before, so that's also going to be, you know, quite a nice moment, and I'm sure for yourself as well, Simon, to be there for the very first time, I, I remember speaking to to MMA Fighting's Esther Lynn um, in Manchester, and she's done a few shows there where uh, she's, you know, done some photography for some boxing fights, and she says that, you know, they have refurbed the arena, but, you know, the, the, um, the seats are very much, you know, um, on, on, on you. Everyone is really on top of the action. It's quite steep. So, um, I mean, I can't, I mean, I mean like you said, it's, it's so hard to try not to overhype it, but it's hard not to. I mean, it's just, fun. It's just brilliant. And the fact that potentially we've got on the line um, the very first simultaneous two-weight champion, uh, in Conor McGregor, he's, I mean, if he can do that, it'll be an iconic moment in, in, in not just for the UFC, but in the in, in the sport. And um, yeah, it could just set up an even stronger 2017. It could just take, you know, the the superstar, you know, level status that Conor McGregor already has, and just once again level him up. So um, yeah, I, I absolutely cannot wait. i literally, I literally am counting down the hours and the days and the weeks until New York. And I've got, I've got the goosey, mate. I've got the gooseies.
0: <laughs> yeah, my prep's well and truly underway, that's for sure. And it's, uh, it's going to come around very, very quickly now. And I'm looking down this fight card, and obviously, you know, the fight that everybody's talking about is the main event, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. But we've got so many other good fights on that card, and you know, I'm. I'm I cannot wait to see Ioanni and Jay Chip versus Carolina Coakovich. I think I think that's going to be an absolute thriller of a fight. I really do think that's going to be I, th- I think that's a potential show stealer that fight. I really do. Chris Wyburn fighting on 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 home soil against Joel Romero. I mean, fights don't get much tougher than Joel Romero in that middleweight division. Frankie Edgar. I think he's a little bit unlucky not to be on that main card to be honest, but you know, he's he's headlining the prelims against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Rashad Evans at 185. I'm fascinated to see that. Khabib, Nurmag- Khabib Nurmagomedov, the number one ranked lightweight on the planet, can't even get on the main card. Um, ridiculous! It's it's craziness. You know, we've we've got we've got a ridiculous amount of talent on that card. You know, Tyron Woodley, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, for the world to weight title. Obviously, is, is 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 the other world championship fight on that card. Uh, Gastelum Cerrone looks like it will be good. Misha take Raquel Pennington. Has got fight in the night potential as well. You know those two, those two women don't know how to take a backward step. And so many, so many good fights. If you were picking one fight out of that list, uh, with the exception of the main event, if there was one that you were, you know, you're you're saying right, that's the one. I'm I'm going to make sure as much as possible. I've got everything else out the way because I want to make sure I'm watching this. Uh, what fight would it be?
1: Wow, you're putting me on the spot here, Sy. Si. Oh um, yeah. I- I think I think you nailed it on the head. I think it is that Joanna Jankiewicz uh, Karolina um that that fight that they have fought before, but I think you know they're both totally different fighters in 2016, you know, compared to when they first fought, and you know they're both going to bring it. They've got, both got Polish pride running deep in their blood, and um, you know there's a there's a massive Polish contingent in New York, and it'll be interesting to see actually on on the fight night itself, you know. How many of the Irish bought tickets? How many of the Poles, you know, bought tickets? And what kind of atmosphere? And who will be the loudest section of the crowd? You know, when the when the, when the, the nationality is at stake, so to speak. But um, I've been a massive fan of Jan Jacek for a long, long time. She's one of those fighters where I was lucky enough to to cover her, um, you know, before she entered the UFC. And I remember interviewing her after her Cage Warriors fight uh, in London a couple of years ago, just before signing to the UFC. And just to see her go on, on leaps and bounds, um, I mean, she's up there as a the, the pound for pound best fighter, you know, female fighter in the in the world right now. I'd I'd, I'd put her right up there with the with with Chris Cyborg, you know. If Chris Cyborg and Yana Yanchek were the same weight in the same weight class right now, you know, I think that she'd give Cyborg a run for her money. Um, but yeah. I mean, in terms of just pure explosive fireworks, I don't think this is the kind of fight that's going to go on the ground much. I think they're going to stand and trade uh, for all all five rounds, if need be. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think it's got, uh, you know, a violent end uh, for someone uh, all written all over it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a long night for uh, for the boys and girls back home because it's it's an extra... I think they're putting an extra hour on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Because we've got the three championship fights... um, it's it's hard to think that all three of them will go the 25 minute distance, but you need to have provision for that. So they've they've extended the pay per view window to make sure that they don't overrun, because uh, that would be disastrous. So so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big long show, an awful lot of great fights, and uh, you know for those for those guys out there listening, you know you're you're all probably hardcore MMA fans. This is the one to get your mates round for. Anyone who's sort of slightly interested, you know, occasionally asks you the odd question about Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey. Get them round. Tell them to bring some beer with them. Get them round and uh, get everybody in front of the TV because almost every single fight, well, definitely every single fight on that main card and that prelim card looks pretty deep as well. You know, we've got some cracking fights on there. So many good fights, and as a showcase, you know, for the for the best of the best. Of mixed martial arts, this is going to be something very, very special indeed. UFC 205. It took a little. I tell while. You, I'll go on. I tell
1: you. I'll tell you one thing before we move on, um, Simon. I, I, I hope now that WME IMG have got ownership of the UFC and they've kind of obviously got their their links, you know, in Hollywood. I would like to see them just put a little splash of Hollywood, you know, on this card. What I mean by that is. You can be in madison square garden you can be in the t t-mobile arena in las vegas you can be at the o2 arena in london when you switch on the ufc if you're watching from home basically everything looks the same it's the same um style and color octagon unless it's ufc 200 um you know the same kind of production and, and you know color scheme and bits and pieces why not do something a little bit special you know you'd have to go all the way to what bellator does and have massive screens with graphics packages and fireworks going off but it'd be nice for them to do something on the uh the in arena production um just to make it stand out a little bit make you know you know make it seem and you know uh, look a little and, and feel a little special you know it doesn't take much to do that i mean you know you saw what happened last summer when they had um conor mcgregor and Chad Mendes with uh, with special walkouts, you know, Sinead O'Connor walk, you know, singing out, Conor McGregor and so forth. Something like that maybe. Who knows, right? Um, but, yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to say is, you know, it's a special arena. It's your debut in New York. Why not do something a little special just to kind of make it stand out from the pack of uh, pay-per-views and what a normal UFC event looks like on TV?
0: Definitely. And one of the new minority owners of the UFC is a certain Sylvester Stallone. And if ever there was a guy, if ever there was a guy that you could bring in to to work on some promotional packages, whether it be the Eddie Alvarez Philadelphia angle or whether yep. it just be the Madison Square Garden uh, big fight angle, Sly Stallone's the man, right? He's in the building now. He's, un- he's he's part of the family now. So I think if, if of, of all these big stars that the UFC have now got under their umbrella, he's the first phone call I'll be making. I'll be saying... Mr. Sloane, we need you, and here's uh, you know whether it be him reciting that famous speech about it's not how hard you get it, it's, it's not how hard you get hit it's how hard you can get hit and get up and all this stuff you know just I've made a right mess of that quote by the way but yeah you know it's getting to do that or, or get him to get him to do something Rocky themed for for Eddie Alvarez you know I mean there's there's already promotional footage of Eddie Alvarez running up those famous steps yeah uh, in, in in Philly so there's, there's got to be some. There's, there's got to be an angle there to get Sly involved.
1: Ben Affleck, Maria Sharapova, you know the 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 Williams sisters. I mean, this you've got this Hollywood you know, star power, and and I'm sure you know come fight night, you know we'll see. I'm sure in the first five to ten rows, um, a who's who. Of, in the world of, of, of tv and sport and music and movies because yeah. that's the hottest ticket in town it's 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 go- tickets are gold dust you can't get them and earlier on today i know that the ufc um were issuing the first come first serve basis um ticket allocation just for the weigh-ins yeah. which is also going to be held in madison square garden so i mean everything's going to have a, a, a you know a, a big field to it the weigh-ins there's gonna be a press conference and Man, I just can't wait till it's fight week, Simon. I just cannot wait.
0: It's going to be good fun. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be good fun. <laughs> yeah. That is UFC 205. We know all the fights on that card. Um, we could run you through them all, but I'm sure you know most of them anyway. The main ones uh, to sort of keep an eye out for, uh, Rashad Evans, Tim Kennedy, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Michael Johnson, Frankie Edgar, Jeremy Stephens. They're all on the preliminary card. Uh, the main card, Misha Tate, Raquel Pennington, Kelvin Gaslam, Donald Cerrone, Chris Weib and Yoel Romero, then the three title fights, and Jacek versus Carolina Korkiewicz, uh, Toran Woodley versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and, of course, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. So that fight card is set. One fight card that isn't fully set yet, we don't think, is UFC 206, which is the next big pay-per-view following that. And uh, we'll lead into that um, in a second because... The whole issue of the WMEIMG takeover is something that's—it's hit the headlines in, in in recent days because we've seen a number of UFC employees, very unfortunately and very sadly, losing their jobs. They're being laid off, and a lot of them are, are people who've been in the business for for years. And for a lot of people, just as it is for a lot of the journalists who work covering the sport, it's a passion project for a lot of people. It's something that. You know, they follow it with their heart. It might not necessarily be the most stable career move to make, but they've gone for it because that's what makes them tick. It's what they enjoy doing. Um, and sadly, it sounds like almost 10% of the workforce uh, are either being laid off or in the process of being laid off. Um, it's a very sad state of affairs, but when you consider that WME IMG have bought this company for 4.2 billion and they need to start working out how to get a return on investment, uh, they, you know, they must have some grand plan. And obviously this is just stage one, Sandu.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, doing what we do, Simon, you do start to form, you know, bonds and relationships with, you know, with certain members, you know, of not just the UFC, but, you know, that we have relationships with folks, you know, at, at a better tour and other promotions. And, you know, you, you're there to do a job. But, you know, you're almost kind of collaborating and working. There is a working relationship there, in effect. And, you know, to see to see some of the people go has been a bit of a shame. Um, the one that kind of like, you know, really kind of struck me as a bit of a shocker uh, was actually Shonda um, and the entire social media team. Think about how much the UFC done the UFC has done just in terms of social media uh, and not just growing their accounts but creating special emojis for Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor earlier on this year but if you just look at where they've gone social media across Facebook Instagram Twitter Snapchat you name it they've been on the cutting edge on the forefront you've had other organizations like the NFL the NBA and the Premier League and other sports franchises and different sports leagues around the world look at the UFC as a leader and looking at them as an example of how best to, ut- to utilize social media, um, you know, for their respective sports and their respective brands. But, um, but listen, like you said, if you're WMEIMG, you're, you know, you've got you know, deep roots in Hollywood and, and, and TV and video games and, and, and just the entertainment in general. Are you going to really hire and keep a hold of two separate social media teams? I'm sure they've got so many social media professionals and executives who could do a cracking job, um, and it's just a case of them coming in and filling the role. Now, I was able to speak to a few UFC officials in the last couple of weeks, and essentially what the WME IMG folks have been doing over the course of the last couple of months, they've been shadowing um, the UFC employees, especially the, the folks that are on-site, Running the the events in the arenas, doing the on-site and the fight week logistics, um, they've been shown the ropes and they've you know slowly been integrated into the into the team. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. It'll be interesting. You know, it's it's a new experience. I'm sure Simon. In the next kind of couple of events, we're gonna start to meet and greet and start to form fresh relationships with you know new people. You know, who may not necessarily be super big fans of MMA. We don't know yet. Yeah. You know they may just be coming in to do a job, you know. Uh, they may not be as passionate, but they may be. We just don't know right now, you know. It's just the unknown. Um, but, I mean, the bottom line is it's even some of the, the top senior level executives that have been around for 15, 16 years. It's, it's unbelievable. Britain's own Gary Cook, who done an amazing job, for the UFC's office in London, um, helping you know spread the gospel of, of, of MMA and the UFC's brands, especially in Europe, who then went on to get a gig in the Vegas office and, and work on some of the international projects. I mean, we literally could go on and on in terms of some of the key figures that have helped the UFC really grow and expand the business and international markets. Um, the launch of Fight Pass, Marshall Zalaznick's. There's There's so many things we could talk about. But I think, like you said, it's a business the Wme IMG have come in they've bought this business um, I suppose they need to cut the wage bill or they've got people already they they're they've employed that can do a, a they feel a, a good job but the proof will be in the pudding you know I'm not gonna you know we can't write off the UFC right now I mean at the moment it just seems to be business as usual nothing seems to be out of the ordinary thus far but let's just judge how things are in three months in six months whether these new employees have made any blunders or have they improved things? We just don't know yet. And time will tell.
0: Absolutely. And uh, just, just I know you mentioned Shanda Maloney there who obviously did a, a cracking job with the UFC social side. Um, the two names I would want to mention are, are Gary Cook. First off, you mentioned him. Yeah. Um, he's been, as well as being, he, he came in from uh, the world of football uh, for those guys who uh, may be listening from overseas. Gary Cook was was a relatively well-known guy from the world of football he was the chief executive of Manchester City just as they they'd, they'd come into a lot of money uh, and Gary Cook was hired from Nike um to basically take them to the next level and put them on the path and uh he you know he some of the foundations that he set have have helped Manchester City reach championship caliber status here in the UK as a Premier League football team you know they're a Champions League team now um and uh he's 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 always had his reputation as being a real big hitter but for those people who have only seen that side of him to actually meet the guy and talk to him you couldn't meet a nicer guy you know you ask him a straight question he'll give you a straight answer and uh, he, he always had plenty of time for me which which i always appreciated and uh he he, he did a fantastic job in a london office and went on and did very well in vegas and i know dana white always sang his praises so uh, just wanted to have a, a mention for Gary. Also, as as a fellow Brit as well, we are on the Brit Pack. Um, and uh, yeah, the other person I wanted to mention briefly was Dave Scholler, who uh, probably one of the more one of the more recognisable faces. Uh, who has departed of his own volition. He actually has, has taken what, as far as I can make out, is his dream job. Um, yeah. With the Philadelphia 76 he's a proud Philly boy, and uh, he. It, I don't think there's any suggestion that he jumped before he was being pushed or anything like that because he was in he was in a very very important pivotal position uh with the UFC but um he had an opportunity to go and do something something amazing take his family back home and uh while he wasn't part of the uh, the layoffs he's he's another person who's going to be uh from a personal point of view he's going to be really missed because he did a great job and again he always had plenty of time uh, for us British guys whenever we needed some help so uh big thank you to to Gary and, and to Dave, uh, from, from, from this end of the, sorry, sorry, from this side of the pond. uh, pond. So, uh, so yeah, so all change at the moment, but as you say, business as usual, it's going to be interesting to see what business changes, what different, uh, you know, different changes in, in focus there might be, um, how, how they're going to approach the, you know, the calendar next year.
1: Mm -hmm. Some people
0: have talked about less events. I'm not sure I buy that, but we'll, maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. um, But one thing that is kind of topical at the moment, uh, George St. Pierre, um, he went on the MMA Hour uh, last week and uh, declared to the world that he was a free agent, which um, I'm not convinced that you can just do that, but he did, right? He went on there and said, "My lawyer's torn up my contract, I'm a free agent. Right, okay. And then obviously the UFC, unsurprisingly, came back and said, well, That's not necessarily the case. You know, we expect him to honor his contract just as we'll honor his. So it's a, it's a tricky spot because I think the general consensus was that the wheels were in motion and that the plan was for George St. Pierre to slot in as the main event for UFC 206, potentially against Robbie Lawler. I understand. Right. So that was the fight. I understand that they were looking to move towards. Um, And uh, the co-main, obviously, then would have been Daniel Cormier versus uh, Anthony Rumble-Johnson. When Dana White announced to Daniel Cormier on UFC tonight, I think on the Tuesday, it might have been the Tuesday or the Wednesday, um, that GSP wasn't on the card or wasn't going to be on the card. You could see DC sort of recoil a bit, and it was like, oh, okay, So DC's pay packet has just fallen through the floor now because GSP isn't on that card. And it's looking like the poor relation, especially now we've got Ronda Rousey on the uh, the UFC 207 card. So you've got this huge blockbuster UFC 205, what is also going to be a blockbuster 207 card. Um, and then you've got 206 in, in Toronto, and you've got to feel sorry for the Canadian fans because it always seems like those guys who get the bum end of everything at the moment. They've had a terrible run of luck with, with, with results and stuff. Uh, uh, sorry, with events and fights, put, fight pullouts and all the rest of it. Now we've got the opportunity for GSP to come back. It doesn't look like, uh, as it stands, that he's going to come back. Is he going to come back? Do you think they could get this done? I know our buddy over in America, John Morgan, actually uh, saw GSP in Vegas last week and uh, TMZ'd him, basically just grabbed the camera and tried to ask a few questions and got absolutely no change out of him at all. But GSP's not that frequent Vegas visitor as far as I'm aware. So um, perhaps they're, perhaps they're talking business. Who knows? Could this deal still be done? Do you think?
1: Well, I certainly hope so because if they can't get the GSP deal done, man, (coughs) not only do I feel sorry for uh, Daniel Cormier, um, who's just going to get the bum deal out of this. I mean, like you said, to be sandwiched in between two Oh five and the return of Ronda Rousey at two Oh seven, that card is just going to get buried. And to be honest with you, Without me having to now just Google UFC 206, from the top of my head, I couldn't even tell you one other fight on that card aside from the main event of Cormier versus Johnson. I really, that card has got zero star power aside from that current main event. And initially, I thought when the, when the talks were that GSP was going to make a comeback. Okay, so he's entered. the saw testing pool, and they were about to get a deal done, and there were talks about. You know Robbie Lawler, or there was you know rumors about the Anderson Silva super fight, which you know for me is a couple of years past its sell-by date. But you know hey ho, that's still you know a pretty good fight to put on in 2016, considering how long GSP has been out for. There was even potential talks of Michael Bisping, you know. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I haven't seen his face lately, but I'm sure he's still recovering from, you know, uh, you know, the the brutal war he went through with with Dan Henderson. But I'm sure, you know, he'd he'd have no problem throwing his, um, you know, hat into the ring and and getting in there with GSP for a, a big payday for himself as well. And so I thought, okay, well, there's plenty of options there for GSP. It's just a matter of getting the deal done, and they haven't been able to get the deal done, which is very very surprising. Going back to the whole. WME IMG, they've bought this business, they want to start to turn a profit. And I initially thought, well, okay, they've got McGregor and this whole New York blockbuster in 205. They've got the return of Ronda Rousey at 207. You throw GSP's return at 206, you could have the best three uh pay-per-view streak, you know, a 3P or back-to-back to back pay-per-views ever in UFC history. There's literally no reason why a, a hardcore UFC fan or a hardcore MMA fan wouldn't want to shell out the money uh, to buy each of those pay-per-views. But right now, as things currently stand, if you're thinking, right, I've got these, you know, next couple of UFC events, and can I miss one? If I can, which one is it? It's a no-brainer. Two hundred six is the one you probably want to miss out on because Ronda Rousey's return—that's amazing. That's huge. And obviously, New York's—you know—everything, you know, it—you know—says it, you know, it for itself. You've got to buy that one. That's that goes without saying. But um, I'm really, really surprised. The, the clock is ticking, Simon. If they're going to get this done. They need to get it done quickly. I know tickets are on sale or are, or about to go on sale, um, and um, they're pretty much in line with Las Vegas prices from what I'm from what I'm hearing. So you know, without a GSP, I don't know what kind of draw you're going to have for ticket sales. And uh, earlier on today, I uh, I read a report and I've seen some things online about there being a social media um, you know crusade to kind of free GSP and to to um, to uh, to you know. Not go to, to UFC two hundred six. There's an actual kind of uh, a boycott, uh, isn't it? Yeah, a boycott. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Um, which is which is, I mean, can you? Can, I mean, Canadian market was once called the Mecca of MMA by President Dana White, and like, look at it now. You know, it's a, it's a shell of its former self, and you know, you put GSP on that card. Forget the Rogers Arena. You want to go to the Rogers Center. Uh, sorry, you want to go to, to the Sky Dome, uh, the Rogers Arena. Uh, sorry, it's the Air Canada Center that is currently in right now. But you want to go to the Rogers Arena, you can sell that out. $50,000, no problem with GSP on there. That's huge. The return of GSP is massive. But without him, yeah, it becomes a card that you could potentially miss. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've, I've got the fight card in front of me here. So we know we've got DC Anthony Johnson is the is – the, uh the main event as it stands. We assume it yeah. will be the main event. Zach Makovsky versus John Moraga at flyweight. John McDessie versus Lando Venata at lightweight. Olivier Obin-Mercier versus Drew Dober at lightweight. Hustam Habilov versus Jason Sago. So we're getting the Canadian guys on the card. Valerie Letourneau versus Pollyanna Botelho, who I assume is a debutant. I don't recognize her. Uh, Nikita Krilov versus Misha Serkinov. The other big fight on the card for me is Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi, which is a fight I'm very excited about. Um, and Is that a fight pass? If I'm not mistaken, they haven't actually set the um, the fight card officially yet, but okay. I, don't, I, I don't know if they've named that particular fight as the fight pass. Excuse me, as the fight pass uh, featured bout or not, but the way things are going, that's that's the co-main event in terms of quality. Uh, okay. And Chad Laprise versus Lee Li Jing Liang. Uh, oh, and there's another about uh, Jordan M- uh, Mian is is uh, going to be making his return to the UFC against Emil Weber Meek of uh, Norway, I believe. Um, so, so um, that's that's a uh, that's the, the, you know that's your fight card. That's a fight night card with a with that's a, a,
1: fight a fight night card. So I, it's a fight night card with a, I, would a, would a, a top, fight, fight yeah. the top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's what we're looking at here. But as you say, you put GSP on the top of that card and you all of a sudden, boom, you've got yourself a little bit of star power. Not yeah. that Daniel Cormier and Anthony Johnson aren't, aren't stars, because they are. But, but they're, they're not, not going to do 80,0,
1: 900,000, a million pay-per-view buys, are correct, they? Correct,
0: correct. And that's the thing. I think, it needs, I think there are nine or ten fights confirmed. So normally these fight cards have 12, sometimes 13 fights on them. So there's a couple of slots there for them to put two or three. Decent, decent level fights in there, just to just to beef up that main card a little bit. Whether they go below Cormier Johnson or whether there's one they can stick above it, um, you know, there there is a little bit of breathing room for the UFC um, to stick another two or three fights in there, just to just to make it that little bit more appealing. That goes down on December the 10th at the Air Canada Centre, and anyone on this side of the pond thinking of making a trip, apparently it's cheapest chips to get over there. Um, Talking to a couple of our friends in the media who who are making the trip, uh, and they're telling me that it costs a mere fraction of what it would cost you to go to Vegas um, or, or even to go to New York. So, if you do want to go and see um, a transatlantic UFC card, and you're not obsessed with watching a Conor McGregor fight, you can get over and watch UFC 206 pretty cheap, from what I can uh, from what I can make out in terms of travel and and accommodation at least. So. Uh, one, one to bear in mind if you are thinking of making making a trip. That is UFC 206. Now, uh, let's talk about UFC 207. Uh, we'll talk about Belfast in a minute, but let's talk about UFC 207 because obviously Ronda Rousey is is the big story, the fact that she's officially coming back. She's coming back against Amanda Nunes for the title. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other fights on the card in a minute, but first off, I take it it's a given that we're happy that Ronda Rousey is coming back. Is this the fight you would have would have put her in? Or would you have given her Holly Holm? Or would you have given her Misha Tate? Or would you have put her in with someone like uh, Juliana Pena? Is she making the right move going straight in at World Championship level against Amanda Nunes, who has proved to be something of a killer as in that women's bantamweight division?
1: That's an interesting question. I suppose... In regards to her ability, only her, you know Ronda and her coaching staff know where she's at right now, capability-wise and ability-wise. You know, has she been working on a lot of stuff this year? Who knows? You know, I think the few glimpses that we've seen, you know, on social media or via TMZ, uh, have just basically been her walking with a Starbucks uh, frappuccino. Or- <laughs> You know, in, in her hoodie and gym jams, you know, in, in Hollywood. Haven't haven't seen too many uh, images and, and video footage of her working out in the gym or anything. Um, that's only kind of started to surface in the last couple of weeks since the fight was announced. So, who knows? We'll see. I mean, I, I still go back to the fact that, look, on her night, Ronda Rousey, even if she's a one-trick pony and she can take you down with a judo throw and get the armbar on you, there's not many women in the world that can get out of that uh, situation. You know, now Amanda Nunes, she's got the the pedigree and, and the capability to handle herself, uh, I guess, Ronda Rousey. And I suppose in a way it was a maybe a blessing in disguise for Amanda that she was, you know, put into the main event slot with Misha Tate at UFC 200 to get a taste of what it feels like to be on a super super big stage you know where the world is watching so i don't think she'll have too many jitters or octagon nerves going into a massive you know blockbuster event being the ronda rousey return so i think that gets put to the side and she's obviously going to get better and better herself as well being the promotion yes i think it's the right move put ronda rousey back in a title fight if she wins you're able to once again promote ronda rousey as a ufc champion that does wonders in terms of media exposure the media outlets don't want to cover you it is a bit of a roll of the dice though if ronda rousey isn't able to win that'll be two losses back to back and if she does lose we'll have to wait and see what kind of fashion she loses in to determine how then she's perhaps perceived um you know was it just a you know a run of of luck in terms of the, the opponents she faced, and now that she started to you know face the the upper echelon of of women's uh, fighters like the Holly Holmes, the Amanda maybe she can't handle it. You know, only time will tell. We'll find out on December thirtieth. The one interesting note that I I want to make here is that this card this fight card is taking place on a Friday. Now the last time I suppose, if I'm not mistaken, that a UFC held an event during that that New Year's period. Which, which dropped on a Friday was the Brock Lesnar, um, Alistair Overeem card, and I think that did pretty well because that was a fight people were looking forward to for quite some time. Now, there's only, there's only a few people I think that can, you know, headline a UFC pay-per-view that takes place on a Friday, and, and I think Ronda Rousey is one of them. Um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think the rumors, if the rumors are to be true, and I think that's going to the fight's going to be announced very, very shortly. I think we're going to get Dominic Cruz versus Cody Garbrandt um, as the, the. It's not official yet, but what we're led to believe that'll be uh, the co-main event and that's a fantastic fight um so yeah going back to ronda rousey though it's great to have her back simon for those of us in the media you know she gets the clicks and she gets she generates traffic like nobody would believe it's literally her and conor McGregor as one a and one b right up there uh so for us it's great that she's back and we'll have plenty of news stories to, to to post in the coming weeks and months leading up to that fight
0: Absolutely, I I do. I do wonder. I do wonder. I think it's it's a big gamble chucking her in against Amanda Nunes. I think because what happens if she loses? The big Mm -hmm. and it's a question that needs asking. What happens if she loses? Because she lost to Holly Holm, and she disappeared for a year. It'll be thirteen months when she actually gets back in there to face Amanda Nunes at two oh seven. So what's going to happen this time if she gets beat? Because Amanda Nunes can bang as well. Um, the difference between Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm is Amanda Nunes has got a ground game. Yeah. Uh, Amanda Nunes is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so not only is she dangerous with her hands and her feet standing, she's very dangerous on the mat. So um, it, it's it's for me, it's possibly the worst possible matchup for Ronda Rousey to come back. But you you know you look at you think okay if she fights Holly Holm. Could it happen again? Could she fight Misha Tate for a third time? That would, I think, would have been a sellable, sellable comeback fight, and perhaps one that maybe would have been a little easier. But I think Misha Tate has evolved significantly since her last fight with Ronda Rousey, so that's not a given either. Um, mm. And you know, you take that 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 one year layoff into consideration as well. Um, there's a lot of question marks over this fight, and 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 what might happen if Ronda Rousey loses. Uh, it's a brave move. I think you know, the UFC have always gone in the business of, of betting on themselves and, and betting on good things to happen. And uh, the best thing for the UFC would be obviously for Ronda Rousey to win. I know that's not what Amanda Nunes wants to hear. Um, but for business, without a doubt, if Ronda Rousey wins that fight, then uh, you know, thing, things really do kick up a gear. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. I think Ronda Rousey is going to... If Ronda Rousey wins, then it's the sports story of the year. I think think for her to come back after a year out and beat someone as, as dangerous as Amanda Nunes, the only pity is Amanda Nunes hasn't got that household name about her yet. If it had been Holly Holm, people would have known her for being the woman who beat Ronda Rousey. If it had been Misha Tate, it would have been Ronda Rousey's old rival of year standing. But this is Amanda Nunes. Granted, she won the main event of UFC 200... But you ask a lot of people who the main event at UFC 200 was. They probably won't tell you Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate, but it was. No. So so um, she hasn't quite got that that household name status. She beats Ronda Rousey. You can guarantee it will certainly improve. So really, really fascinating contest for a whole load of different reasons. Other fights confirmed for that fight card on December the 30th. Great heavyweight contest between former world champions Fabricio Verdum and Cain Velasquez. Winner of that will almost certainly get the next shot at the, uh, the heavyweight champion of the world, uh, Stipe Miocic. Uh, Mike Pyle, quicksand. The man with the mullet taking on Alex Garcia at welterweight. Tim Means is back in business. He's uh, against Alex Oliveira. Johnny Hendricks takes on Neil Magny. That's a good fight at £170. Tarek safadine takes on Matt Brown. That's a decent fight at That's a really good pounds fight. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Antonio Carlos Jr. takes on Marvin Vittori, uh, the Italian, former Venator, if I'm right, uh, submission specialist. Uh, he submitted a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt in his, last, in his last outing for the UFC. He started well. He's against Antonio Carlos Jr. in a middleweight contest. And uh, also announced is Brandon Thatch versus Sabah Hamasi. Uh, at welterweight so you've got if you like welterweight fights in UFC 207 is shaping up quite nice because you've got you've got five of them announced already so um that fight card's coming together quite nicely um that's December the 30th as you say Sandra that's a Friday night so yeah. uh that's just before everyone goes out and gets hammered for New Year's so uh <laughs> you know I'd, I'd much rather stay in and watch that and then go out and get hammered for New Year's I'm too old for that <laughs> stuff now but uh yeah and that's at the T-Mobile Arena in in Las Vegas that is UFC 207? It feels like we're just talking about events here, Sandu. But we've got so much coming up between now and the end of the year. Yeah, um, it's it's a really stacked end to the year. And obviously with the change of ownership and everything that's going gone, loads going on. But it's not all overseas, is it? We've got we've got UFC Fight Night in Belfast coming up as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was going to be uh, Don Kim versus Gunnar Nelson in the main event. But just this week, we, we we've discovered we've got a new main event.
1: Absolutely, and it's uh, Gegard Masassi versus Uriah Hole and it, it's just inter- it's very interesting the way this week panned out because um, as you know, Sai, you were there, I was there. Um, the UFC uh, London office flew in Gegard Masassi for a, for a special media day, and they don't do that that often, to be honest. Where they just fly in someone from Europe or you know from wh- from wherever. Um, for a special media day for you know, UK-based outlets, um, so that was a nice sort of treat, and it was great to get some access to Gay God and get some time with him. And you were there, I was there. Some of our friends in the you know British media were there as well, and um, you know we basically all were asking similar questions in regards to who he wants to fight next and time and time again in all of his interviews he was like listen there's a bit of a log jam in the middleweight division there's four guys ahead of him we know who those four guys are you know Whitaker and Brunson are tied up and you know the Uriah Hall fight kind of makes sense because he wants that revenge he, he doesn't feel like you know um Hall you know was able to beat him the first time around and he he calls it a bit of a fluke uh but you know Hall is ranked you know at number nine right now and But, you know, he did want that fight. And then, lo and behold, you know, a couple of days later and uh, late, late Friday night, the old switcheroo happens. Gunnar Nelson gets injured. It's an undisclosed injury, so we don't know quite what's happened to him just yet. Uh, Jeon Young Kim, from what I understand, will uh, get rebooked for another fight card uh, in the coming weeks and months. So he'll be taken care of, I'm sure. But if I'm being completely honest this might have been a blessing in disguise for UFC Fight Night Belfast, especially from a media perspective, because I think we were all kind of like wondering, well, are we really going to get anything, you know, super hot quotable from, you know, Gunnar Nelson and Dong Young Kim during fight week. Whereas now you've got a fantastic story, a nice little angle here with Gegard Musasi who's a, bloody media darling in 2016 all of a, a sudden, sudden all of a sudden he's <laughs> spitting hot fire you've got this great revenge rematch angle with Uriah Hall who beat him the first time over and the funny thing is is according to the latest uh, odds from what I understand I'm not you know uh, someone that bets a lot but Gagod Musasi is going into the rematch with Uriah Hall the favorite which is interesting where Uriah Hall beat him quite handily the first time around so I think it's great you know for all um you know, for everyone concerned, it's great. It's great for the UFC that they've got this fight instead of the the original. It's a shame, of course, that Nelson's injured. You don't want to see fighters get injured and, and fall out of opportunities like that, you know, get out of paydays. But uh, for our perspective, I think uh, it just kind of lit a fire under me. I'm really looking forward to this fight. I'm really looking forward to being at Belfast now.
0: It's going to be good fun. It's going to be good fun. And, you know, people look at fight cards and some of them complain, oh, there's not, it's not much star power on this or there's loads on this and all the rest of it. There are different levels of fight card in the UFC and the fight night cards that happen, particularly the ones that happen over here in Europe, are more tailored towards a European market. They don't have that top to bottom amount of star power. We're not going to see a UFC 205 type fight card on this side of the pond anytime soon. So the thing is, is to look for good, fun fights with fighters who you know turn up and deliver the goods. This fight card has got a whole batch of them. Um... We've got Musassi versus Hall, which for me is a much better main event. I completely mm. agree with you. Much better main event. their co-main event is Ross Pearson versus James Krause. And both of those guys love nothing better than to stand and throw down. I'm looking forward to that fight. Stylistically, I think that'll be a cracker. Uh, we've got Timothy Johnson versus Alexander Volkov, which I'm slightly bewildered as to why that's, why that's a main card fight, especially as Ian McCall versus Neil Siri isn't. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about yeah. that in a second. <laughs> Artem Lebov versus Teruto Ishihara um, is also going to be on that main card. Now, I
1: love the fact that Ishihara is <laughs> on this fight card. I'm, I've never interviewed him before. I'm looking forward to just being around him during fight week because... <laughs> He, alongside Derek, uh, you know Derek Lewis, have been the kings of social media for me in 2016.
0: Yeah, he's he's been told not to talk about his bitches anymore. So <laughs> I think he's been, he's been he's been he's been he's been he's had the kibosh put on him. Uh, yeah. No more no more bitch talk. So um, so I'm sure he'll be coming out with some other craziness during fight week. And uh, you know he's in there with Artem, who's obviously uh, a bit of a staple of these European cards these days. Ian McCall versus Neil Siri, as it stands at the moment, that is the like the the featured preliminary bout, that's top of the uh, top of the preliminary card as I'm looking at it right now. Ian McCall is one of the best flyweights in the world. He just hasn't been that active because he's had a he's, he's had a whole load of terrible injuries. Um, and then you got Neil Seary, who is one of the most exciting flyweights in the world. Never see the man in a bad fight. Why the hell aren't these two on the main card? It's Neil Seary's retirement fight as well. Well, and it yeah. could, it might even turn out to be Ian McCall's retirement fight. Yet, yeah, you know, we don't know um, because he's been through the mill the last few years, and uh, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he might decide to call it a day. So, but given that it's series serious retirement fight, you know, the action that he's put on, he came into the UFC really late. He took on Brad Pickett in a in a in a very short notice contest in London, um, and put on an absolute barn burner with Brad. Um, he lost it but he, he didn't do himself uh, any harm at all and he's gone on and performed superbly even in the fights he's lost and um he's it seems it seems a little harsh that he's not been given that main card slot i mean you could all you could even argue this should be a co-main event fight i mean what
1: do you think 100 percent. i'm just bewildered by it simon uh like you said it's just I mean, I'm sure the fact that it's the first time the UFC are going to Belfast... Well, is it it the first time they've been to Belfast before?
0: They have, but it's a long time ago. It's been a while, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the crowd will be fantastic, and I'm sure there'll be early doors. They'll get in there nice and early. But just in case they're not, I mean, if you're a fight-pass fighter, uh, or if you're fighting on the fight-pass portion of the card, you know, what if it's, like, you know, half empty and this is your last fight? It's just weird, you know? And I think Neil Series earned, with his performances in the octagon, give him a slot on the main card. Let him go out, you know, uh, where it's nice, full arena. Uh, you've got all the bells and whistles just before, you know, uh, the, the main card kicks off. Um, and, I, and I saw a few articles, I think Flow Combat, um, I think uh, Pete C. Carroll, yeah. uh, I retweeted his article um, earlier on today, um, had a piece uh, about that. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, I think the UFC still has time. Uh, to kind of change the bout order. They're well within their rights to do that. Um, And I I hope that some of this talk that has gone on today, you me talking about it, other members of the media talking about it, uh, I hope they do the right thing here and put McCall and Siri on the main card. Um, I just don't see why they wouldn't. Um, I know that Fight Pass, of course, is very important to them to get new subscribers and and so forth. But, you know, just do the right thing. Put Siri on the main card. He deserves to go out um, in front of of a full you know, raucous crowd. um, And I'm sure him and Ian McCall are going to put on a hell of a performance. Um, So yeah, I'll be surprised, shocked, and a little saddened if come fight night, he's like the opening act or he's in the first two or three fights of the night.
0: Yeah. As I say, it it looks like the way it's listed right now that he'll be the featured prelim, which means he'll be the last fight on the preliminary card before they go to the main card. But all all due respect to Timothy Johnson and Alexander Volkov, um, who I'm sure will be, over the moon to be put on the main card of of, of of a UFC event. I don't think they deserve to be there ahead of Ian McCall and Neil Siri. Just look at the body of work of the men involved. Look at the status of the two guys. You know Siri, in you know in 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 Europe and particularly on this side of the, you know like here in the UK and and Ireland, he deserves that. He deserves that. You know, and he's 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 never he's never let the UFC down. He's always gone in there put his Put his uh, his life on the line, so to speak, and, and fought with his heart every single time. Um, I say, get them on there. I, you know, if anyone from the UFC happens to be listening to this, then uh, do you know do the man a solid and stick him on that on on, on on that main card. I think I think he deserves it. Other fighters on that card worth mentioning uh, on the preliminaries. You've got uh, Sweden's Magnus Siedenblad, um He's taken on Jack Marshman, who I think is a great story. He's the first Welshman to fight yep. in the UFC, or he will be when he steps into the octagon uh, on November. Was it November the 19th, is it? November the 19th, yeah. At the I SS- believe so, yeah. At the SSC Arena. Uh, Marshman is, I believe, still an active serviceman. I believe he's in, uh, he's in the paratroop uh, unit. Um, and uh, he's a former Bama. He's the first ever Bama Lonsdale middleweight champion, I think. I think that's right. Um, and uh, when they first introduced the, uh, the Lonsdale Championship, so you had the Bama World titles, and Jack, uh, and uh, Tom Kong Watson had that belt. Uh, they then created this second level, which they they, they were called the Lonsdale British uh, Championship. They've since opened that up to allow non Brits to compete for it as well. Uh, and Jack was the first guy to win. Uh, and I was at the fight that he, uh, he 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 actually won that belt against a guy called Carl Noon. Um, and it was an absolute slobber knocker, as, as, as good old uh, Jim Ross would have called it. Um, he's as tough as nails, Jack Marshman. And it's uh, he's, he's a really interesting story. As I say, paratrooper turned mixed martial artist, former army boxing champion. Um, he's, he's he's as tough as they come. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Uh, last fought for Cage Warriors, he's now stepping up to compete in the UFC. Kyoji Horiguchi versus Ali Bagatinov. I mean you could argue that should be on the main card as well that's that's a top level flyweight contest right there Kevin yeah. Lee Kevin Lee versus Magomed Mr. Fire. that's a good fight uh, Anna Elmos is uh, dropping down from uh, bantamweight to strawweight for the first time if you check out her Instagram she's done like before and after pictures
1: and I posted it yesterday on Twitter, and it got a hell of a lot of likes and retweets.
0: I'll bet. I'll bet. She, <laughs> she's looking in good nick as a as a she is. As, as a strawweight, and she's taking on Amanda Cooper, who impressed a lot of people during uh, her run on the Ultimate Fighter. She couldn't quite get it done in the final. Uh, she got submitted, I think, by Tatiana Suarez. But uh Amanda Cooper is uh, is is certainly one to watch out for. I think that'll be a good fight. Uh Justin Ledette versus Mark Godbeer, another British debutante. Uh yes. form, former Bama
1: heavyweight champion, Mark the hand of Godbeer. Um he was supposed to actually fight for Bellator's uh, London show earlier this year in July yes. for a bit of a backstory, uh, but there was some dispute with regards to the contract, the, the positioning on the card. Ultimately, um, they had a bit of a falling out, and lo and behold, here he is. He's now making his UFC debut in a couple of weeks' time. It's crazy.
0: It, it's amazing how these things go around, and I was I was at the Bama event where he where he won the Bama Heavyweight Championship, and he came backstage. Um, I was working backstage at that event, and You have never seen a prouder man in your life, honestly. He was grinning like a Cheshire cat. He was so happy. Uh, I can only imagine his reaction when he got called up to the UFC. Uh, Really nice guy, Mark Godbeard. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Uh, A heavyweight as well. So if he can string a win or two together... Uh, yeah. Then people will start to get excited about him. You know, he's a big, strong guy. He's got he's got heavy hands as well, and he's been around a bit. He's, he's seasoned. So uh, interesting to see how he fares at UFC level against Justin Liddell, um on the pre, on the prelims uh, there in Belfast. Zach Cummings, who's fought a few times in Europe before, nice guy, uh, world to weight, former Ultimate Fighter uh, graduate against Alexander Yakovlev, and Marion Renaud versus Milana Dudieva um, is a women's bantamweight bout. Also on that card. That is at the SSE Arena in Belfast, Saturday, November the nineteenth, in Belfast Northern Nine, and we will both be there for that one. Is that right? You, you doing that one?
1: I'm there. I'm there for New York, and then straight from New York, got a couple of days uh, back in London, and then yeah, it'll be uh, in Belfast, and that basically rounds out um, the year in terms of being at events. And and I guess, I suppose, uh, depending on how things work out, Simon. We'll obviously, um, you know, be on site together in New York and, you know, we'll record an episode of the show there. Mm. Uh, but uh, in Belfast, uh, we should both be cage-side and there might be an idea to try and recreate some of the magic uh, that we did in Manchester. For those of for those of you who kind of gave us a positive feedback regarding the, the, uh, the, the on-fight night in cage, well, in cage, <laughs> um, press row kind of audio that me and Simon were recording throughout the night. First of all, appreciate it. And yeah, who knows? We may be able to do it again in Belfast.
0: Absolutely. And I can't remember who it was who tweeted this and said that all future episodes of the show need to be conducted with like <laughs> high-octane dance music in the background. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether everyone would agree with that. But I have to say, it was a whole load of fun doing that. and It was. Giving, giving some live reaction to stuff as we go. So um, if the opportunity presents itself for us to do that in Belfast... Then uh, you, you you better believe we'll be doing that again. So I will be talking to our friends in the UFC press office uh, a little bit nearer the time to see if we can uh, if we can uh, sort of wangle some appropriate seating arrangements. So I'm we sure can... we
1: can make it happen. I'm sure we can make it happen. You can pull a few strings. I can pull a few strings. We'll make it happen.
0: Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lively end of the year. So 2:05, we're good, we're both gonna be there. Belfast, yeah. we'll both be there. I think I've got like a one day turnaround. Um, to get some washing done and then I'm over to I'm over to Belfast um, uh, anybody who's going to be over in Belfast uh, in particular um, for the event uh, you know hit us up on Twitter let us know Yes. let us know where's good to go because I've never been to Belfast before so uh, let us know hit, hit us up at the Brick Pack at Simon Head at Sandu MMA and let us know um, where where us media types should be going? Granted, we'll be get well, you know we'll be going to a Nando's at some point. <laughs> I but, was about um, to say, I'm sure <laughs> there's a Nando's there somewhere. So. <laughs> Other than that, um, you know, any any uh, any advice uh, recommendations will be much appreciated. Um, it's been quite a busy show. It feels like we've just been talking about events this week, but that's just kind of how it's been lining things up for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. But we always like to finish off with q and A. Q&A. And uh, Sandra, you put the call out for questions again. Um, What have we got this week?
1: Well, thanks again for everyone uh, hitting us up. And uh, like we always say, um, don't feel the need to to wait for us to kind of prompt you to ask us questions uh, the day before or the the day of us recording the show. Um, Throughout the week, if you've got a question that pops and comes to mind... Throw it at us, tag us, uh, uh, um, you know, on Twitter using the Twitter handles that you know Simon mentioned before. The most important one to to, to copy in is a Britpack MMA uh, that comes up on our Britpack MMA Twitter feed, and that's the one that we look at when we're looking at questions. So uh, thank you for everyone um, sending questions in and cracking on straight away. Jordan Griffin uh, tweets in and says with Stepe in Cleveland, Bisping in Manchester. Who do you think is the next champion to get a hometown show? Simon, you can go for that one first. I'm going to call
0: it a little early because uh, it won't happen until next year, but it'll be Joanny and Jacek in Poland. I think. I think mm. whoever wins, well, whoever wins that fight in Poland, because we know we're going to get a Polish winner, one way or the yep. other. You know, that's not much of a you know, it, does, it does take a rocket scientist to work that out. So they could already be planning that show. So maybe maybe a show in sort of April time. They held a show in, in Krakow in April uh, last year. Um, that was actually the first show that I covered in my current job. So so that was my first overseas trip covering the UFC, which was a nice one. Uh, interviewing Mirko Krokop and people like that. It was great fun. But um, Poland was great to go visit, I think. It's it is an MMA mad country, uh, and they've got a world champion in Joanny Jacek. Whether she holds onto her belt or whether Carolina goes in there and takes the belt off her, who, you know. However that goes, um, they should they should put the next fight in that strawweight division uh, in Poland. And if the fight goes close, who knows? It could even be a rematch. Um, and imagine that you know Ulanian Jacek versus uh, Kolekiewicz two in Poland. Whether it's in Krakow, whether it's uh, somewhere else uh, whether it's in, in Lodz or, or or somewhere else in Poland um, but Krakow's got the uh, the Toron Arena which I think is about 16,500 capacity big modern arena that's where we were last year uh, absolutely no reason why they couldn't go back there um, particularly with a Polish World Champion so that would be the one I would pick out what about you?
1: Uh, mate you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what I I stole your answer well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It just shows that we're both on the same page. Um, you know, you mentioned how MMA mad um, Poland is, and you know, KSW, they set out shows consistently, have been doing so for years. And uh, like we spoke about earlier on the show, you know, Jan Jacek and Karolina Karolkewicz, they've got this history uh, that takes them back to their time, um, you know, in you know, coming up through the ranks in, in Poland. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if it's a close fight or if Karolkewicz wins... Uh, a rematch in Poland would go down a storm, and I'm sure it'll sell out that arena very, very quickly. Um, so, moving on um, now, Jordan Griffin he, did a, he sent a, another follow up question, and I want to you know, get this in, into the mix as well. He says, "Now that McGregor doesn't want to fight in Nevada anymore due to the the bottle throwing incident and and the fine that came along with that, uh, being 150 thousand dollars, which is just preposterous, is Crow Park realistic?" or not while he's a pay-per-view star. Now, I think he's never not going to be a pay-per-view star number 1. I mean, belt or no belt, Conor McGregor, he's 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 a draw for life, you know. He'll he'll be headlining plenty of pay-per-views to come in the near future. I, I was thinking about this the other day and and I suppose um, you know I don't know if it helps Croke Park get any any closer, but the fact that they've been through the mill now in Manchester, did a late-night card to cater for the North American time zone audience and the U- the UFC's European um, office based in London, their old production and logistics team, were able to go through the, the, the mill and do something throughout fight week. Don't forget, it wasn't just fight night. It was the media opportunities and the media events, you know, getting the, all that stuff um, sorted out um, for late afternoon, late evening, so that all of the, the fighters can adjust to the time zone. All those bits and pieces, you know, that only helps. But at the end of the day, there are there are still some political loopholes to jump through um, in Dublin uh, to get that late night license. Um, I don't particularly know what the, the public transport situation is, and, and don't forget, it's chalk and cheese you're talking about the, the Manchester arena that held I think something like 18,000 people versus Croke Park that could potentially hold anything between 80 to 100,000 people so you know a lot more people uh, to look after a lot more uh, policing involved and you know that's a whole other ball game in terms of the logistical nightmare uh, to worry about that many people at say three four five o'clock in the morning um but um you know I think what the realistic thing here is, is if McGregor doesn't want to fight in Las Vegas anymore, I think New York is going to be his new home. And I think why not? It's cheaper for the Irish to fly out to. Uh, There's more airports, there's more hotels, there's more options. Um, There's obviously that massive Irish contingent already as a rock bed uh, in the New York area. Um, and let's face it, it's the media capital of the world. And, you know, he's uh, he's all right up there. Him and Ronda Rousey are, are two of the biggest media darlings of the UFC. So I can see him fighting in New York for many, many years to come. And the fact that, you know, now Madison Square Garden is an option, I'm sure a fighter like McGregor wants to cement his legacy further uh, to continue to fight in, a, in an auspicious uh, uh, and prestigious arena like Madison Square Garden as well. Uh, Simon, what do you think about that?
0: The first thing I would say is. Don't rule out the fact that he's not going to... F- I think he'll fight in Vegas again. I don't. I, honestly, I think this will be smoothed over very, very quickly. I think by next summer, it'll be fine. And I would fully expect him to be headlining you international fight week at the T-Mobile Arena next year. But that aside, if we leave that to one side and just say, okay, that's what I think I could be completely wrong, let's assume on this side of the argument that he isn't going to fight in Nevada again. Uh, if he's going to fight... On this side of the pond the big issue isn't so much the arena it's it, it it's it's the it's the weather it's the weather i mean
1: yeah
0: if you can guarantee good weather um then croke park becomes viable but if you can't you've got 70 80 000 people getting wet and and that's not to and, and and that's notwithstanding you know the issues with the octagon you can put a canopy over it and all of that that's fine. But you know, with, with swirling winds and all that stuff, you know, stuff can still get wet. Um, and I think it would be too much of a risk. Fighting outdoors uh, in Mexico or in the Emirates or somewhere like that where you've got guaranteed good weather, you can kind of do that. Um, but they also don't like doing that as well because you can't control the climate. You know, when you're in an arena, at least, you can, to you know, to a greater or lesser extent, you can manage the temperature in the arena a little bit. Um if you're outside you can't. Um, if you're looking for him to fight on this side of the pond, for me there are really only three viable options. One of them is to fight in Manchester, the other one is to fight in London, and the third one is to fight in Wales. Now, Wales is a bit of a is a bit of a sort of joker in the pack because you have never been to Wales before. Um, yep. but if you want a big sort of football stadium sized crowd But you need the security of having a roof so you're protected from the elements. The biggest arena in the UK for that is... I think it's called the Prosperity Stadium now. I think
1: isn't it called the Millennium Stadium any-
0: anymore? It, it was called the Millennium Stadium, but I think it's been... I love that name. I can't believe they got rid of it. Well, I, I think that's the official name of it. I think it's now got. Right. It's now you know naming rights have been sold. It's just yeah, the way yeah, stadiums yeah. are these days. So I think it's called the Prosperity. I can't even remember, but yeah, what was the what was the Millennium Stadium? Now there's no way McGregor would necessarily choose to fight in that stadium when there's the potential to fight in Ireland. Sure. The problem that they've got in Ireland is the only arena in Ireland that they can really uh, guarantee, you know, the you know the right conditions is 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 the Three Arena, which is which is only nine thousand people. So
1: too small, too it's, small. Like
0: it's too small in terms of getting the fans in. So uh, the O2 holds eighteen thousand, I think. You could do it in London. The Manchester Arena holds about eighteen thousand. You could do it in Manchester, but it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of a crap second choice because if you're if you're an Irish fight fan and mcgregor's going to fight on this side of the pond you want him fighting in ireland of course you yeah, do yeah of, of
1: course it's do, like yeah. michael,
0: it's like when michael B's being fought up in scotland i mean okay it's all right to go up to scotland and watch him in glasgow that 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 is a fantastic arena by the way but it's not big enough um but um you know as a, as, a, as a as an englishman you want your star your world champion Fighting on home soil—that's why Bisbing in Manchester works so well. So it's a tricky thing. I don't think we'll see McGregor fighting in in Park. but I'd love to see it. But for that, you know, for that to happen, they've got to jump through a load of hoops, which is all doable. But the big X factor is the weather. So it would have to be a summer card. It'd have to be like yep. mid July or something, and it would have to not clash with any of the uh, the GAA games, um, whether it's hurling, football. And, and plus, plus all the rugby and stuff that goes on. So
1: Concerts.
0: Everything. Everything. Yeah. So, so, you not know, you, quite, you, you, have, you have to fill that in. I think it's a tough one. I really do. I think the mo- if he's going to, I mean, I think to be honest, if you said to me, he's going to fight over here um, in the UK and Ireland, where's the most likely place that you'll see him fight? I would say the O2 Arena, um, which, won't, which won't make the Irish fans happy. And it's not what I would choose, but I think that's the most likely place for him to fight in Europe. Just because it's close to it's cl- it's the closest option to Ireland, in an area where they've got the the infrastructure and the hotels and all the rest of it, and it's a yeah. big indoor arena. I think it's, but but that's an imperfect solution. I think, as I said, he'll find a T-Mobile Arena international fight week next year. Mark my words, it's going to happen.
1: Well, he is teasing a, a big announcement, you know, heading into this massive fight card uh, in New York. So who knows? Maybe that big announcement is the fact that. They're finally going to do it. They're finally going to ha- hold an event in Croke Park. Well, only time will tell, and we'll see. wait and see what happens. Um, Stephen Murray uh, tweets in. We've already kind of discussed this, but, you know, I appreciate the tweet and the question. Uh, does a new main event for Belfast make sense, or is it just a fun fight? I think it makes sense from a storyline perspective, an angle. It's a rematch. There's a, there's a revenge storyline there. Massas has been talking about eye Hall for a long time. Uriah Hall seems to be a kind of uh, fire that's going you know, to a cat <coughs> A cat with nine lives, you know, after coming off back-to-back losses, he's there again in a main event slot in a high-profile fight. So he can thank his lucky stars that things have worked out the way they are. But I think it's, you know, put up or shut up for Uriah Hall here, Simon. I know we were talking about Gegard Masassi quite a bit earlier on, and maybe we can now use this as an opportunity just to talk about Uriah Hall for a bit. Um, but, um, you know, following his, his win over Masassi last, uh, I think I want to say September, October, Um, You know, he lost against uh, Robert Whitaker via decision. And then obviously very recently, brutal knockout loss, Derek Brunson. Um, And, um, you know, he hasn't kind of quite lived up to the promise of what Dana White was kind of expecting on the Ultimate Fire and how much he was hyped up coming off of that show. Um, But, you know, like I said, he's in another main event slot and uh, it is put up or shut up for Uriah Hall. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think. While while I understand what you say about him considering himself lucky that he's getting a main event slot after losing two on the spin, I think also it's a little bit of a little bit of him getting you know something he deserved because he was supposed to fight Anderson Silva, um, and and that fight with Anderson Silva never materialized. I think it was scheduled once. It might even have been scheduled twice. I can't remember. But he was he was. I saw the posters were out on you know like the you know little social media matchup posters they like to tweet out. I've seen those out there in the past. He was he was gonna fight Anderson Silva. That for him is probably the dream fight. Um would have been the perfect matchup for him, would have been an opportunity for him to really make his name uh and kick himself up an extra level while taking on probably someone who he consider an idol. That that fight never happened. So this I guess is a little bit of recompense for that as well. So he's fighting Gago Musasi. You can bet that they probably said to Misasi, look, you know, we want you to step in in Belfast, who do you want? You know, all these other guys are tied up. So even just by process of, uh, of of elimination, looking down the list, he said, "Right, he's taken, he's taken, he's taken, he's taken." Give me Uriah Hall again. I want to get that win back. And when I asked him about Uriah Hall, um, when when I spoke to him this past week, um, he 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 almost alluded to the fact that that fight might happen. Um, and at the time, I thought nothing of it because he he said. You know, would they make that fight? Maybe they'll make that fight. Maybe not. You know, and I'm, I thought, well, yeah, you got bigger fish to fry, god You know, that's that that that's not one you're going to actively chase. Uh, but he also he did say to me, if they offer me that fight, I'll take it. So, um, you know, and then I think two days later they announced the fight. So uh, clearly that 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 may already have been uh, in his head at that point. So um, I think it's a good fight for Masassi. I think it's a great opportunity for, for Uriah Hall if he repeats the trick. You know, spinning back kick, sort of uh, TKO finish. Then uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna do himself no harm at all, and he's back in the conversation again. But for Gaylord, he needs to really he needs to really put him away in the sort of fashion that he's put away Vitor and the way he put uh, put away Tiago Moretta Santos at UFC uh, at UFC 200. If he can do a number on Uriah Hall, uh, he's right up there in the conversation again for sure.
1: And important to note that um, Masasi openly has said he's only got two fights left on his UFC current contract at the moment. So he gets a, a main event win over Uriah Hall. He's he's in pretty good shape in going into his very last fight uh, with the UFC um, to really go hard on the negotiation table um, in regards to title shots and more money and marketing, push behind him, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, a big win for, uh, for Masasi. There's a lot more on the line. Uh, than just getting the next title shot. It's a, it's a new UFC contract, potentially, uh, in the lineup there as well. So, Graham Hughes tweets in and says, Will the Korean zombie fight before year's end? So, the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Young, um, he's been on military service for the last couple of years, which recently uh, expired. He, he's done his duty, he's done his service to his country, uh, you know, you know, done his time in the military, uh, and he's back. And uh, he didn't pull any punches Um, He went straight in uh, for the jugular, uh, called out uh, one BJ Penn, um, who for some reason this year, he's been linked with so many fights, he's been booked for so many fights, and for some one reason or another, fights haven't taken place, and uh, the one that's most notable um, was the fight against Ricardo Lamas that was supposed to headline um, UFC uh, return to Manila in the Philippines, and subsequently that event got cancelled. But... Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really um, feasible that the Korean Zombie could fight before years. And, and hey, listen, if the UFC are going to put together Korean Zombie versus BJ Penn, if that actually happens, that would be an ideal fight for a fight pass featured uh, prelim on, say, the UFC 207 card. What do you think, Simon? What do you think about that idea? And again, answering the question, do you think Zombie fights before the year end?
0: I think I think what you suggested there is a great idea the big flying ointment here potentially and I don't know enough about uh where he is within all of the sort of the, the machination of the UFC he he needs to go through four months of usada testing right because he's been out for I that would long. believe so yeah so, yeah you're so right that would immediately rule him out until like february march time I would assume so or, or sorry january february time so um I don't know I don't know whether he's already been in the pool um, I would have thought that it would have been picked up if he if, if he was in the pool already, um, but um, I assume that would be the main the main sort of stumbling block to him coming back uh, as, as as quickly as the end of this year. If he's available and he's cleared to fight, get him on that two o seven card. Absolutely, put and, and I, I I love that matchup with BJ Penn. I think that's that's a a sellable matchup. One that is. It's, it's okay enough for BJ Penn you know I, I didn't like the Ricardo Lamas matchup for BJ Penn I thought he would have got destroyed in that match um, and I didn't think that it really would have done an awful lot for Ricardo Lamas career either if I'm honest um, so I think Chan Sung Jung versus BJ Penn I think is is, is, is ideal I think that's I think that's a great matchup um, and who's to say that you know further down the line we couldn't see the, the uh, you know the um, <laughs> The Korean Zombie versus the Korean Superboy. Oh, I would love it! They I both they both Simon. both fight at 145 pounds. So you know if the UFC want to put on a super show in uh, in South Korea, um, and they put on a great show in South Korea last year, um, go back down there with an all Korean main event in in a featherweight division. That and that fight would be a bomb burner as well. By the way, so um, yeah. you know that's that's I'm already matchmaking for the Korean Zombie. He hasn't even come back I yet, love it. so I'm already looking two or three fights down the line for him. But yeah, BJ Penn would be a great fight if he's cleared to fight at 207. Get the man on the fight card. But I suspect Usada might have something to say about that, but uh, we'll have to see. I don't know. He may already be in a testing pool. If he is, who knows?
1: Good shout on Usada. I always forget about that when uh, we're talking about fires coming off of long injuries or suspensions retirements or whatnot they've got to go through that four-month testing uh, phase before they can fight right so um so joe hale tweets in and says where does a win at 205 for michael johnson leave him so michael johnson's fighting could be is it a title fight is it the winner of rda versus ferguson is it alvarez if he loses um That's a really good question. Um, I'll tell you where it does put him. That's in a very, very strong position. Khabib Nurmagomedov is undefeated. He's never been beaten. Uh, If you're the first guy to get a win over Khabib Nurmagomedov, I think the world is your oyster. I think he would be well within his rights to say, I want a title shot next... Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov was you know, obviously used as a, as a pawn, essentially, in the whole Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor um, title fight negotiation, contract situation, whatever you want to call it. So he was essentially promised a title shot anyway. Um, so to get a win over him, I think you'd steal his thunder, and I think you put yourself right in title contention. What do you think, Sai?
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, given that that probably won't happen, um, I, I, I think... I think the uh, the winner of the RDA Tony Ferguson fight would be would be a good backup um, because you can bet if um, if Conor McGregor beats Eddie Alvarez, a certain Mr. Diaz might come into the picture very very quickly. Uh, that's a fight that just will be screaming out to be made at that point. Um, so the trouble with this 155 pound division, it's the strongest division in the UFC in my opinion. I think closely followed by the featherweight division, but the 155 you know the 155 division is just ridiculously stacked and you could literally just close your eyes and pick a name out of a hat for the next championship contender and you'd have a great matchup. So, um, but yeah, if you beat, if you beat Khabib, you're, you're the number one guy, you know, no one's, no one's come close to beating him yet. And I think only injuries have prevented him from, you know, fighting for the title and maybe even holding on to that championship belt by now. So, um, the most important thing, I think whoever wins that fight next Either takes on the winner of the RDA Ferguson fight or goes straight into a championship fight. I think, uh, but, and but especially if it's Khabib, if, if, if Khabib beats Michael Johnson impressively, then surely the man deserves to get the title shot. You know, he's been number one for God knows how long. Um, he's obviously been, you know, he suffered with injuries and stuff. If he comes back and looks good, I don't think you leave him on the shelf too long. You book him in a title fight as quickly as you possibly can. If Michael Johnson beats him, then he's right in the mix, definitely. Give him a title shot.
1: Sounds good. Final question coming in from RG, and I'll let you answer this one first, Simon, as I've been answering most of them myself first. Um, On the rumours that WME IMG will hold less UFC cards next year, does this awful three-week break prove that's a bad idea? You can have that one first, Sai?
0: Right, okay. Um... All right. The uh, this 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 awful three week break was supposed to be only an awful two week break because we were going to have Manila, right? So we have to sort of balance it up a little bit. Um, I'm of the view. Well, I've, I've 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 got two main opinions here. The first one, I'd be amazed if they cut back on the number of events, um, just because they need as many opportunities to produce revenue and make money as they can. So, and the number one driver of revenue, you would assume is events. So, um, that's a very, very basic way of thinking, but I mean, to, to sort of cut back on events, let's say you want to do 35 events next year as opposed to, was it 48 or 46 or something like this?
1: so I think it's 44 <coughs> this year. So. Right,
0: okay. So let's say, let's say you want to do 34 events next year. Let's say you want to lose 10 events off the calendar. That, that you know, that's that amount of revenue needs to be found in those other fights. So, it's tricky. Maybe they can do more stacked stacked fight cards and things like that. And maybe it works better that way. I don't know. Um, but I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't see them reducing the number of events. However, I wouldn't be crying about it too much if they did. I think probably the, the sort of optimal number, if, if you were looking at being able to hold a certain amount of events without it becoming too thin... Uh, or, or without it becoming overkill, if you could do three good quality shows a month uh, with like week two week gaps between each, I think that I think that would work. Where it gives you enough time to give each event a run up. And we had a we had a run uh, last month where I think we had five or it might have been six in a row, five events or six events in a row. And then you had this situation where you almost had no run up to each event. You were literally going from one event, bang, and you're into fight week for the next one. And yep. that's that's tricky sometimes, whereas what we will see with 205, everyone's going to be building up to this. It's going to get a nice long run-up, and I think it's going to really benefit from that. Um And I think 207 will enjoy the same thing. And uh, I think that's the thing. I think give the events enough room to breathe before and after, and give, give enough of a run-up without it becoming sort of tumbleweed you know so three weeks is too long a gap but i think a week gap or two week gap is 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 fine and i think if the ufc works on the basis of doing maybe three events a month over the course of a year i think that will work quite nicely to be honest 36 events a year i think will work well
1: i agree in regards to the number of events i think if you had fewer ufc events first of all it will give uh the fan base um a reason to start to get excited for a UFC event. I think sometimes because there's so many UFC events, you can't really digest and you know, you know, really absorb and soak up when it's a, when a big fight just happens. You're kind of almost, uh, you know, mentally forced to you know, move as you know, f- fast forward as possible to the next one already, and start to look ahead uh, when perhaps maybe you're not ready to look ahead. Um, and it'll give obviously some breathing room f- promotionally to build up some of these cards. And if you have fewer events, you know maybe you can you know stack the deck a little bit and produce higher quality um, cards. Um, the one thing I will say is the reason why I agree, I I don't think that they will reduce the number of events uh, next year. Aside from the fact that obviously you know you've got to generate revenue, and they just bought the business for four point blah 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 billion dollars, whatever the case was, four point four. They've got a contract in place, Simon, uh, with Fox Sports in America, where they have to deliver X number of shows, and that contract um, runs out, uh, I think, at the end of 2018. So you've already kind of, you know, you're, you're committed to to Fox. Now, perhaps you could pull the number of events you may want to do on UFC Fight Pass, which is their own, you know, over the top online platforms. So they're well within the rights to do so. Um, I don't see them pulling back on the number of pay-per-views because that's where they get their most money. So even if you pulled back maybe three or four uh, fight pass events, that's, I suppose, trimming the fat a little bit. But it's not exactly you know reducing the overall schedule too much. But, yeah, look, I, I think it would be a great idea if they did reduce schedule. I also think if they did reduce the schedule, it would give um, some breathing room and some Strategic maneuverability for the likes of Bellator and World Series of Fighting to perhaps move their events into certain slots of the of, in the calendar where they're not perhaps competing directly um, with the UFC, and that could help 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 them get some more media coverage, some more media exposure, and get some more eyeballs on their product. Because at the moment, with the current UFC schedule, it's very very hard for the likes of the Bella Tours and the World Series of Fighting and so forth, to try and position their events. And even if they do, if it's on a Friday, you know, I don't think a lot of you know mainstream casual MMA fans are going to give up a Friday night and then a Saturday night to watch some MMA action. They may just skip the Friday night uh, because they want to look forward to the quote-unquote premium brand that is the UFC. Maybe catch up on the highlights, read an article, or watch a few GIFs to find out what happened on Friday night. On a Bellator or a well Series of Fighting, and then just kind of like tune in or pay for the pay per view and watch the UFC product on a Saturday night. Um, but yeah, listen, I think I've loved the last couple of weeks to have off. I'm not going to lie. It's been nice to kind of have a weekend not to worry about UFC coverage. Um, and it's kind of made me, I don't know about you, Simon, but I'm really now excited for the next UFC event. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they ramp up their promotion for 205. Um, and, and it kind of is weird because there hasn't been a UFC event for a few weeks now, but the UFC has been well in the news, uh, you know, headlines, you know. Rightly or wrongly, uh, they keep themselves in, 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 the, in, the, you know, in the public zeitgeist uh, in one way or another. Uh, but listen, when it comes to just having a weekend, if you're a European-based fan or a European-based reporter, to get a Saturday night where you don't have to stay up until 6 o'clock in the morning, I'll take that as many times as I can get it.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did that anyway, watching MotoGP that was happening. So I, 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 I've completely wasted my opportunity for rest, staying up watching people <laughs> racing around on bikes from Japan. So uh, yeah, it was. It was oh, sorry, Australia, but uh, yeah, it was, it was it was craziness. But um, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And obviously, um, we've got the Ultimate Fighter Latin America finale taking place. That's our next, our next live event, which will be taking place. On Saturday, November the 5th, Rafael dos Angeles against Tony Ferguson. El Kukui, um going head-to-head in a fascinating contest. The winner of that could legitimately argue uh, as a, has a good shot at being the next man in line for the UFC Lightweight Championship. Um, that's the main event uh, in, in that one down there in Mexico City. Then, obviously, all eyes will turn towards Madison Square Garden, UFC 205. Everyone will start getting very excited. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. Uh, lucky Heather, whatever other weird rabbit's foot, whatever you, you, you know, whatever your, um, your 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 lucky charm of choice happens to be, uh, do what you need to do with it, and let's hope that all the boys and girls on that fight card stay fit, stay healthy, and get to Madison Square Garden in one piece, so we can really get what will hopefully be the the greatest UFC event of all time on Saturday, November the twelfth.
1: Simon, before we sign off, I did want to say one thing, and I know we've run out of uh, questions, but yeah. I did want to say something. Um, you have spoken to me about a fight that you've been hoping that the UFC would put together for quite some time, and I believe we've spoken about it on the show once or twice, I believe. We have. And, and I wanted to raise it on the show, because I know that this is something that you've been hoping for a long time that the UFC would put together, and they've done it. Brad Pickett, Uriah favor. It's going to happen. They've, they've, they've signed the battle agreements. It's official. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there, uh, get your take on it, get your opinion, and and why you wanted this fight uh, to be put together for such a long time.
0: They're two of the biggest fan favourites in that weight class on on their respective uh, sides of the pod. Uriah Faber is going to go down as a legend of the sport. Brad Pickett is going to go down as one of the legendary British figures in UFC history. Um, and... and They've both come through the WEC. They've both, you know, their, their careers have run side by side in many ways, you know, but they've never met inside the octagon. Um, but here they are. They're finally, com- you know, they're finally going to compete. Uh, both of them towards the tail end of their careers, but both of them still, still relevant in their respective weight classes. And it's as you said, it's a fight I've wanted to see for ages. It's a fight that, to me, makes, com- especially where they are in their respective careers. It makes sense to put this fight on because you could stick them in there with a with a, an up-and-coming prospect or, you know, someone who's sort of in the middle of the rankings but hasn't really got a big name. Why not put them against each other? It's almost like a WEC super fight, this. And and I love that. I absolutely love that. And it's I think it's the perfect way for the pair of them. I mean, if one or both of them decided that this happened to be their last fight and it doesn't sound like either of them will, but if they, if they did what a fight to go out on, you know? And I think, I think it's, it's a fight that will really get, uh, each, each respective fighters sort of, um, competitive juices flowing, you know, it's not a world championship fight, but both these guys have been up there, um, doing the business at the highest level of the sport for the best part of a decade, if not more. And, uh, I think it's. I think it's an absolute no-brainer of a matchup. I'm so. I was so pleased when I saw that they made the match. In fact, someone tweeted and said, "I'm sure Simon Heb will be delighted with this." And I'm like, "Too flipping right, <laughs> I am." This is a fight I've wanted to see for a few years now. So yeah, I'm dead chuffed, and it's. It's uh, the only disappointing thing is I'm probably not going to be there to see it live because uh, I think it's on the Sacramento card, isn't it? That's um, right, yeah, so uh, I suspect I won't be at that one. but um, but yeah, I've got a lot of time for both guys, both uh, you know, superb people to interview and deal with from a media perspective, both great fan favorites, both of them have got fantastic walkout songs, although the American market. Probably hasn't quite got Chaz and Dave yet. I've, you know, I always look around at the American journalists. It's never Chaz and Dave comes on the speakers, and I just look round at all these American journalists and I'm like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Chaz and Dave, my man, don't, don't it." <laughs> um, and obviously, you have got a, uh, you know, a bit of two pack for, uh, for, for eye uh, favour. It's a great matchup. That's it. We want to watch great fights. That will be a great fight
1: well said well said well i wanted to raise that because i know you've been you know you know raising it in conversation on and off air for quite some time now and uh, i thought i'd be remiss if i didn't bring that up on this week's show
0: you're very kind you're very kind that's us pretty much done isn't it we're pretty much that's done.
1: us this yeah. might
0: be a record setting show i'm looking at my <laughs> call recorder and we're at 1 hour 40 minutes
1: I remember Sorry. when we first had ideas for the show, Simon, a few months back, and we thought we were going to try and keep it around about the hour mark. And ever since then, we've, it crept, up, you know, we've crept up almost two hours now uh, as an average. So, uh, but hey, listen, if you guys uh, like the length and uh, appreciate the length and want us to keep it at this length moving forward, let us know. If you'd rather us cut it in half. Just let us know. We'll see what we can do. But uh, it's always good to kind of catch up and and shoot the shoot shoot the shit, so to speak, and talk some MMA and catch up, and talk about the harsh topics. Uh, from as we always say, the British perspective once a week.
0: Absolutely, and uh, we're trying a few new things in the background, experimenting with a few bits and pieces. So keep your eyes open. You might start to see some uh, additional content coming from uh, from the Brit Pack in the months. Weeks ahead, so uh, just a little teaser for you there. Um, But uh, yeah, always enjoy getting together and uh, talking MMA. Thank you to everybody out there who is a regular listener. Uh, If you don't already, please do subscribe. You can subscribe via iTunes, you can subscribe via Stitcher, and you can also subscribe via ACAST. They're your three main platforms for subscribing to uh, the Britpack MMA podcast. Um, You can listen to us on SoundCloud as well, so soundcloud.com. Slash the Brit Pack. That's the main home for our for our podcast. You can get all the links to everything uh, on that page. You can also get um, streaming streaming players on there. And if you happen to run an MMA blog uh, or an MMA website and you want to embed it, feel free. That's what it's there for. Get it, share help it, help us
1: rate it, review it, leave us a review, and who knows, we may even read it out.
0: There you go, there you go. Uh, and uh, of course, you can you you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Sandu is at Sandu MMA I'm at Simon Head nearly forgot and uh, the show is at the Brit Pack MMA Uh, we've almost hit the magical hour and three quarter mark Uh, so I think now is probably a good time as any to wrap things up say thank you so much for listening Uh, we will be back next Monday no more weeks off from here on in and uh, we'll speak to you next week I would say enjoy the fights we don't have any this weekend enjoy your weekend off Spend time with your friends and your family. Have a cold beer and uh, get ready for the fights coming up. We've got a busy end to the year and the Brit Pack will be with you every step of the way. Enjoy the weekend off and we'll speak to
1: you next
0: Monday.